Hi everyone welcome to another episode of my podcast we have a very special guest today we have Kiko Montesilio uh or Catman hi Catman <laughs> What's up Chana 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 What's going on man How are you doing All right you know holding holding on hanging in there however it is you want to put it Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I've been, I've okay. been seeing, I've been seeing you a lot, a lot of online. You're doing your live stream. You're playing every night now, right? <laughs> you, I gotta, man. I mean, it's just, it's a survival mechanism for a lot of us musicians who are, you know, because of what's going on in the world right now. We're we're not playing gigs. Mm. So between just live streaming and recording, writing new music, just trying to keep the music muscles working. So right. So Kiko, you were full-time musician, right? You were not doing anything else, right? Right. And I mean like before the pandemic, it was already kind of you know, there'd be good weeks and bad weeks, but I was okay. Mm. Uh this thing is a game changer. because the music and and we watched and probably the last route to recover because restrictions on social distancing and people being in the same enclosed space yeah which is understandable i mean safety first right but you know for for us being performing musicians kind of sucks right so right. It's just the matter of what we do. Right. <clears throat> you know, I think first time we met, uh, I heard about you before because you you went on AO radio with Mojo Fly and uh, all that but I think the first time I saw you was when you when you performed with uh, right, right. Joey and Benny at Inum, right? <laughs> yeah, we did a I think it might have been the was it the 4th of July one? or something like that. There was something special going on and uh Joe me to do that gig with. So, that was a while back. That was maybe three years ago now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I don't even Four years remember, ago. I don't even remember when it was. Yeah, and then uh when I was like going when we when yeah. I was going to the office in Pasig so I But used yeah, to that go was there on Friday. Good times, good times. Good times, yeah. <laughs> so, Kigot, can you tell me a little bit about your childhood and then how did you like got into music? Uh I mean uh most parents of that generation You know, you want to get your kids involved in extracurricular stuff. So for some it's oh, let's send you off already or let's put you in basketball camp. For me it was music. So you know, we had a piano at home and my my parents sent all of us, me and my sibling to piano lessons. Okay. Uh it's just that I was the only one who stuck with it. So I just I started taking lessons at 3 years old and I just kept playing ever since. Right. 
<clears throat> so uh, so what were like your yeah early early bands that you listened to what sort of music you were into back then well um because i was doing a lot of classical music for my piano mm. my earliest influences were actually classical musicians so i was listening to a lot of uh chopin and beethoven rachmaninoff like heavy stuff but still mostly classical and then i started getting into new wave mm. because number one it was mostly keyboards anyway so it's like oh this is cool this is something different i can do and then i started playing in bands when i was about 12 or 13 so again it was still mostly keyboards uh 80s as around mid to late 80s early 90s and then high school middle school i started getting into rock right. that was that was a time appetite came out that was a uh, yeah 89 90 and i started getting more into rock and alternative music right. throughout high school obviously that was the grunge era so i started getting more into alternative gets more guitar oriented started playing a little bit of guitar started playing bass and then uh in college i moved to la and that's where i discovered classic rock so it was like every phase of my life i was discovering a new uh world of music and it influenced obviously like my playing and my thought process my lifestyle however it is you want to and just i i think it's really impacted uh how i write and how i perform and even now like the stuff that i listen to right <clears throat> so what was your like you remember like what was your like first band uh, you mentioned oh, yeah. in school right yeah i was a uh, as i think middle school and my cousins actually they had a band a show band or variety band however it is that you mm. call it here uh so they were playing covers at this little bar along green hills in in annapolis called cosmo bar and they've been working and touring musicians since the 70s so they were wine and careers musicians and i was just starting out and i said you know hey is it cool that i play with you guys and that was my really my first band experience and back then we were playing three or four sets a night right so it was just like i had to learn all of a sudden i had to learn all of these songs most of them you'd hear i'd hear on the radio so it wasn't a problem but some of these songs were just like crazy hard for me at the time and even now <laughs> so there was a lot of toto there was a lot of you know whatever new wave again uh stuff that was playing on the radio back then and a lot of late 70s early 80s type stuff so uh yeah i think that really shaped how i approach music now when i'm trying to learn new songs or write uh just i really value that those early years playing with them 
that was my first real band. So 13, 14 years old. Right. And then again, when I started high school, started playing rock, started doing different kinds of music, started playing in different kinds of bands. And then when I moved to LA for college, that's when I started playing original music. And I'd be in, I'd be with guys and we'd sit down and write new songs. And that was my first experience with writing and performing original stuff. Right. Which, which band was the, the first band again, you wrote most, original? The fr oh, um, well, there's a bunch. There's the Painkillers. Uh, we were an alternative band, female-fronted. Mm. Uh, there's Interstellar. We did more shoegaze kind of uh, post-rock, I guess. Uh, a few alternative cover bands, but nothing that really stuck. And then my last band, which is actually where the Catman came from. This band was called Makanai. Mm. And we did a lot of J-Rock covers. It was ba they're basically theme songs to, to anime shows. Right. But because we were a rock band, we played it like a lot heavier. And I played bass for that band. Uh, that's where I started wearing the cat mask. And that's where the whole Catman thing Right, right. Came from. Was it just, just how you were specifically creating that image, or it was just, just that you had a mask, and then how, it, how did that happen? No, it, it kind of evolved in that, you know, we all said, well, we should dress up and like as some of the characters in the shows. And there's this one show where one group of characters were, was wearing that mask. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'd want to do something like that. And this was like pre-Mudvayne, pre... Well, Kiss, was, Kiss has been around forever. But I was like, it would be cool to wear a mask right. and play on stage and kind of be like, not like buckethead good, but at least like that's something kids back then hadn't seen before. Right. So I wanted to give them something to kind of talk about. Not just with the band but just wow that guy's wearing that mask from that show so that's where the cat mask and the cat man mm. identity kind of kind of evolved and every now and again you know i'll still put i'll still put it on <laughs> like with some of some of the other bands i played you've seen you've seen the cat mask the, yeah. the cat mask in action so yeah so, so uh, playing in LA. Then, when did you like return back to the Philippines and started playing in the Philippines? Oh, uh, so I was I I moved to LA in '94, and I was there pretty much full time from '96, '97 onwards. I came back to Manila in 2000, late 2011, early 2012. Right. And uh, that's around the time that I joined up with Mojo Fly started playing with Norby and all, all the other guys that I still every now and again uh, until, until COVID, obviously, uh, was doing, gig with, doing gigs with. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's been, it's been almost 10 years since I've been back. Right. So how did, the, how did you uh, get invited to join Mojofly? Well... Uh, 
I've been close to Ali's family for a long time because uh, through his through his sister Rachel, through his cousin Nino, through Ali's dad Aji. Right. And uh, when I first came back, I was looking for things to do. I was like, "All right, so it's either I get kind of a real nine to five job and start working, but I still want to do something with my music, so I want to try and still do gigs and still be a full time musician if I can." So he came up and he was like, "Well, uh, Luigi's kind of going solo now, but she still needs a band to play for her." I was like, yeah, man, I'll do it. So Luigi was her singer, and Ali played drums, and I was supposed to be the bass player. But I took... Uh, so we were looking for a guitar player at the time. We saw Mark, and we had asked him to join. Turns out that he wanted to play bass instead. So I right. got moved over to keyboards. And Mark ended up our bassist, and then eventually we got... BJ down the line as our guitar player from and then we just played we were playing together for a while and people were still calling Luigi and the band Mojo Fly. Right. Until Luigi finally decided, you know what, let's just bring Mojo Fly back and come out with new Mojo Fly music. That's how that happened. That was uh we started playing together in two thousand twelve and I think Mojo Fly as a band came back maybe three, two, three years later. Right. So, so Mojo Fly, you know, I mean, you're going into playing that songs. They they had like a lot of big songs, right? Very famous songs. Yeah. Like Mata, like, Minamalas, and you know, I right, I, even, right. I even know those songs because they're so famous. Uh, right. On. Was it hard to get back to like you know, covering those songs? Like you know, they have their own sort of like you know. <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a challenge because, uh, you know, I was a keyboard player and some of those songs didn't have keyboards. So I had right. to find a way to kind of make it fit. And for the slower songs like Mata and Another Day is easier. I could just like kind of slip the piano in there. But for the heavier, the rocking songs, uh, I was like, hmm. I'd either have to sit this out or play guitar. So for a while, I was I was kind of playing guitar too with Mojo Fly, right? Until I picked up the guitar, which is what I use now with the band, right? Because <laughs> um, you know I'm yeah, go ahead. I'm really just a frustrated guitarist. <laughs> between yeah, between being in LA where everybody was just like phenomenal on guitar. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to play bass. And then uh, since being in Mojo Fly, I was like, hmm. if Luigi plays guitar and we have a guitar player, do we really need a third guitar? Right. And I was like, I'll just play guitar then. So I can do both keyboards and guitar at the same time. Use the guitar sounds for the guitar songs and use the keyboards for the rest. Right. <clears throat> the the guitar instrument it's it's very new wave, right? Because it's it came on the eighties and Yeah, I right. mean like it was like late seventies, <laughs> early eighties and it you know, it always had kind of its geeky, nerdy uh 
place in in especially in 80s music right. in, in new wave which again like i'm a i'm still to this day a big fan of but uh we still had to kind of find a way to make it work with today's sound and today's music and i was like well um again since i can't really play guitar for this band i'll play guitar and it beats being behind like a big keyboard and sitting around while everybody's having fun on stage and i'm like you know what? i want to run around too i want to jump into the crowd and right. can't do that with a keyboard but you can do that with a guitar <laughs> so yeah that's where that's where that started yeah and then but you play the guitar sometimes you play it like horizontal as well right you just use it as a keyboard right, also, right? sometimes well for the acoustic gigs it's a lot easier to carry around because it's shorter it's lighter uh and for acoustic gigs like i don't need well most of the time i don't need the full big piano right so i'll just bring that instead and it works i mean it's got a pretty solid piano sound on it so i was like yeah i'll just use this for some of the acoustic gigs for the bigger shows i have the bigger keyboard uh that's what you saw last night and uh then then the rest of the time especially with mojo fly it's it's the guitar that i use yeah it's uh i mean i'm a big fan of guitar actually because uh, i don't know i have this image i i saw this in the eight like very early on and uh, mm-hmm. whenever somebody plays a guitar it's like i was actually even this podcast the the episode picture i was looking for something with the guitar that you know, but i couldn't find a photo oh, that, okay. that really has the guitar because i had right, a guest right. i i had a guest a few episodes back from uh, she's also from la and then uh-huh. she's emiko she's also like uses guitar <laughs> right right on right yeah and then it's sort of coming back <laughs> yeah especially now they've got like you know the sound quality is a lot better right. uh, they're sturdier i mean i'd i'd love to ha- to get my hands on like a vintage one and bring it out to a gig but you know uh for what i do now and the equipment that i that i have like it does the job so for the foreseeable future yeah mojo fly will have guitar and especially with the new songs that are coming out right. that's going to feature yeah uh kick also uh, you know i mean they know they call you like catman but i think also uh, i would like i mean i would call you capman because i always see you with the cap and you're a big fan of like new era and stuff right <laughs> yeah well basically they're the only caps that i've that i've worn since i've gotten here it's not like it's a brand preference but they do have a lot of cool ca- uh cool caps and uh i prefer just having a cap on my head than tying my hair back right. so for me it's a matter of uh it's a matter of convenience it's a matter of I guess as aesthetic if you if you want to call it that you know like I said they've got pretty cool hat designs so I'm like yeah that's basically that's basically me that's my, that's my look yeah 
but you but you stick to the band uh, band uh, signature caps or you do you use the other ones also like baseball and stuff i use well uh the, most of the caps that i have are either uh la logo hats cuz not cuz i'm a dodgers fan but because you know okay. i was in la i that's where i was for the last maybe 12 years i i kind of consider it my second home and uh and then the rest are either like this is the guns guns and roses hat and band hats and that's basically it just stuff that reflects who i am basically right right it's not just cuz i'm trying to be stylish or anything like that like and i'm at an age where it's like i don't care about how it looks to other people i i i'll buy stuff and i'll wear stuff cuz i'm comfortable and it's what i like <laughs> right so uh so with mojo fi when did you start writing new songs is it the 2018 single that was the first one that you uh yeah i mean we came up with uh if i if i remember correctly uh feel the I same did. which was I kind did. of like a hard hard rock in mojo fly song uh and then we already had like a bunch of other songs written out uh after we released feel the same as a single we decided well why don't we just put out an album it'll be the first new mojo fly album in what 6 7 years and it's the first mojo fly album with this lineup with the current lineup that we have right now right so that came out and we started touring behind it and then we took a we took a little break because uh luji had her first kid and then uh we were starting to get back into it uh release a couple more singles from that album and then covid happened so that's when we started with that's when we started thinking about well uh let's still write let's still put out music uh it sucks that we won't be able to really tour behind it but i mean we could do online stuff uh we can shoot our videos and just release it online and you know we're still kind of feeling things out but uh there is a new mojo fly single that's out right now yeah uh kapit lapit uh, i think our friends over at jam uh joey and uh ads sorry ads <coughs> all and uh benny they're they're good enough to help us push it and put it out there and then uh there's actually another mojo fly single coming out uh end of october early november so you know we're cranking out new songs and you guys are going to hear them real soon mm. like kapit lap it's available now right uh and the new song um i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say what it is yet but it's coming out end of october early november so just keep your eyes peeled for that right so uh you uh, one of the other bands that uh, you're playing uh, which i like is satanic cupcakes that <laughs> oh yeah the cupcakes again with joey 
Yeah, Joey on Joey. guitar. So when did you first meet Joey? How did you meet Joey? I met Joey my very first day back in Manila. I was fresh off the airplane and uh, my friend Trish brought me over to Dig Radio. And Joey was there at the time, so that's where we met. And right. Started talking, hanging out, uh, going to going to gigs, and uh, you know we really vibed and we really connected. And we had a lot in common uh, in terms of the stuff that we listened to and the bands we like and opinions about music and life in general. And, and you know, and you know, Joey's a really cool guy, anyway. Yeah. So one day he's like, "Dude, let's put together an alternative rock cover band because I know you're into that, and I want to do something different. And it'll just be covers, so there won't be like the usual problems that come with a lot of bands who play their own music and are together for a while. And we're only we only play when there's uh." When there's the gig that comes up, we're not always fighting for gigs. And right. Plus, I get to play bass. And I'm like, you know what? I'm all over this. This is stuff that I like listening to. This is stuff that I like playing. Uh, so, yeah, we put together the Satanic Cupcakes with A. Biliano on drums, uh, Ian Curante, and A. I mean, Ian and Abe are both from Switch. Right. But uh, uh, Frey on guitar also. I played bass. And yeah, man, that was, that was good times. Right. When, when did you last perform? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd hope. When did you last perform? I said any I think at, the, at, at my mom's benefit. So it must have been like two years ago. Or right. I think we might have had one more gig after that. But. It's been a while. I mean, again, because of the pandemic and uh, it's hard to get, you know, everybody together and do a gig. And But, you know, hopefully when things start to kind of normalize and we figure out what we're going to do with playing live gigs again, then, you know, you'll see the cupcakes together pretty soon. At least I hope so. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, the name itself is so funny. <laughs> yeah, well, that's you have Joey to thank for that. It's yeah, like, we're not gonna get a lot of gigs playing children's parties, but you know we'll have fun anyway. Right. <clears throat> so, so, so this pre uh, before pandemic, uh, you were you were kind of playing like M sort of. You had gigs like daily gigs. Like you had the you were playing different places like every day, right? Right. I mean, like, I was, um, I had my regular gigs, which kept me busy uh, three times a week. So, like, no matter what happens, I knew that on Sunday I'd be playing at this one place and it'd just be me on piano. Right. And then Thursdays and Fridays I'd play with Norby. Uh, and we'd do a lot of alternative covers, you know, some, some pretty off the wall stuff too, but uh, it was new because. You know, typically when you're thinking an acoustic band, you're thinking like love songs and stuff like that, which we do. You know, we play that stuff too. But you won't hear like Bohemian Rhapsody or you mm -hmm. won't hear like 
uh, I don't know, like a lot of dishwalla or uh, wow. You don't hear a lot of Goo Goo Dolls. You don't hear a lot of, like again, stuff Norby and I grew up listening to, like listening to, like playing. Uh, so, you know, that that's worked pretty well for us when we were doing those gigs. Yeah. And then besides that, the rest of the week, then I'd have Mojo Fly, then I'd have uh, the Cupcakes, then I'd have, uh, for a while, uh, Mariang Palad, which is a Santana cover band. Right. And that was, yeah, that was with Harold. But he's in L.A. now, so that's kind of on, on hold at least till he comes back. But, uh, yeah, just trying to find different outlets for music, uh, having fun doing it. And, you know, if we make a little money on the side, great. If not, at least I knew that I always had my regular gigs to fall back on. Right. <clears throat> So when did you first started playing with Nobi? Uh, pretty much right when I got back. So I met him, I think, either December 2011. Yeah, I met him December 2011, early 2012. And then we started playing together maybe mid-2012. We started trying like acoustic gigs. and uh, So yeah. And every now and again, when uh, they'd need like an extra hand with overtone, and I'd sit in on one of his his gigs there. Uh, sometimes when I'd have to put together like a project band for a gig or a wedding or a birthday, I'd have him come over, and we'd put like a we'd put a group together. We'd play together with a full band, but most of most of the time when we do play, it's it's the acoustic duo. Right. With me on piano, him on vocals and guitar. So on these acoustic gigs, what's your like what's your like favorite songs to play? If you have to choose like one song, well, they I say like, oh, you have to play oh, only one song. If I if I have to choose one song, I mean it's a I don't know if I can say this on air, but it's a bitch to play. But it is a fun song and we get a good response from the audience and uh, it's got to be Bohemian Rhapsody, because, <laughs> and, and this was even before the the Queen movie came out. Right. Uh, it's it it is a difficult song, and it's kind of like on the one hand, it's kind of like us kind of showing off that we can play the song, but it's also because it's a great song, man. It's one of the all time, I think, in my opinion, best songs that like if I could have written. Right. One song in my entire life. I would have wanted it to be Bohemian Rhapsody, but you know, beautiful song. Uh, we always get a positive response from people who see us play, and uh, Norby's got a few tricks up his sleeve to make it sound even bigger, even though it's just him and me and a guitar, acoustic guitar and a piano, and we make it work. So, you know. Uh, the rest of the time uh, I also like every now and again playing some of his old band songs because you know Norby was part of River Maya for a while right. so every now and again I'm like I'll sneak in a River Maya riff or a River Maya song and he'll just give me that sideways look but yeah it's fun it's fun I mean, we have fun on stage we're friends off stage so it's always you know it's always good times playing with Norby 
right <clears throat> that that bohemian rhapsody movie i mean it's uh, it was it was really nice right how they they did that like like for example that live aid performance where, where they sort of shoot it like sort of exactly oh yeah it's like that was amazing. amazing i mean good concept and at the same time it's like it's already like a two a two hour something movie right and you still insist on having a full 15 minute uh note for note scene by scene recreation of the performance which i thought was a great way to cap off the movie too yeah because what i did after watching the movie immediately came home i watched the live aid on youtube because it's, right it's, <laughs> well you know what i'm sure like if you get like the special edition dvd or whatever you, they'll have like a side by side and i've seen a few videos where yeah, they yeah, have yeah. side by side screen comparisons yeah. right right which is fun but i mean like if you're a purist and if you're like a film critic and you know you really want to take the scene apart that's fine but for me like i enjoyed yeah seeing that because it shows the attention to detail and the love for the subject matter and the respect for freddy and for queen so it was an enjoyable scene it was an enjoyable movie um i watch it every chance i get mm. you know and it's 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 good to see that even now cuz you know every generation complains that things aren't as good now as they were before and uh in terms of the filmmaking and this and the how they crafted the story and how they kind of wove everything together and yes some of it is fiction and yes some of it is kind of exaggerated or blown out of proportion but it's a movie i mean right. it's not a documentary you're there to to just go on the journey with the filmmakers and hopefully take something take something from that experience and i really i really like that movie yeah even that I actor really actor they choose uh, that's the guy from mr robot right so <laughs> yeah i mean like ravi was i mean he's a ma- an amazing actor and the casting was right on and dude like even whoever it was it played brian may mm. i mean from he got they got the height he has the hair even the way he stands and plays and it's like wow you guys i mean hats off like all around good job yeah actually queen what, what i really love that live aid performance the song radio gaga it's it's really really nice how freddy sings that in that performance right oh yeah but i mean like you know songs like we are the champions and radio gaga even even you know yeah sure some parts of bohemian rhapsody these were really these are really arena rock songs these are songs that everybody in the crowd watching sings along with or stomps their feet to or knows all the words to so by the time live aid came out and queen hadn't you know really performed together in a while or been together for a while and people were waiting for that right and they were doing that before and when you know when that happened in real life and when that happened in the movie everybody just like 
yeah corrupted yeah it's uh, it's so amazing to see that so kiko you i also saw that you you have a band called ronin which has oh ronin yes which has kita players uh, right <laughs> yeah uh i had first played with ronin a few years ago we just did a one off gig it was actually uh nini beltran's i guess kind of farewell gig she was moving to vietnam and she was part of the band right and i sat in for that gig and a few years later uh inky de jos uh who also plays for quan and brigada and you know does some live looping stuff but he was in ronin as well he was like hey do you want to play with ronin again and we'll tweak the lineup and we'll play different songs and and we were like why would i not jump at a chance to play in an all guitar band right you know what i mean <laughs> so we got together and it was me uh we had a few other people involved but uh the ones that ended up performing during the gigs were uh me inky kukai pagdilao uh and david pambid of halik the gringo he's a drummer so we played a few gigs uh, at root we played uh if i'm not mistaken i think we had we had one sagio gig but everything else i think was at root 196 which sadly again yeah isn't around anymore but for ronin we you know we still talk about either recording new stuff together or doing other gigs but again we're waiting and see we're waiting to see what's what'll happen with with gigs and live performances so you guys should yeah. create a new, actually uh what will be awesome is to have that uh, do a music video you know with neons and uh, all this neon lights and stuff. right i mean <laughs> with the guitars we've i mean we've talked about it but you know we're we're still trying to figure out ways to make that happen uh hopefully uh hopefully we'll be able to get that off the ground soon right um that would be fun though or even just to play like a gig like that where it's all like 80s and neon and yeah like that's uh, you remember that that's that episode of black mirror san junipero san junipero exactly yeah they where they go to that bar like, which is like 80s bar <laughs> tuckers Oh, and the thing is right, yeah. yeah and the thing is it's like it's always there whether it's in the 80s and you have the video games and then when they went to the 90s and then the video game was time crisis or mortal combat and then so i you know that was a nice touch and i'm yeah. obviously having grown up during those years grown up in that era you know i found it very nostalgic Yeah that was a great episode and i mean overall yeah. Black Mirror is really great show right Yeah it's 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 like it makes you think a lot about just how technology and you know social media and uh how it changes really the way we think the way we live how we act towards each other uh and it's kind of like they're cautionary tales really of what happens when you take 
something too far, which is bad no matter, you know, no matter what it is. Anything you overdo or take too far, push to the limit, there's mm-hmm. always a dark side. There's always a downside. And, and I like how Black Mirror uses it to kind of say, you know, technology is great, but, you know, this kit, this could get out of hand really easily, really quickly. Right. And you just need to be careful, I guess. <clears throat> but what I noticed, Kika, is that this, uh, you know, this with this pandemic and we cannot meet physically anymore, like, you know, but uh, I don't know if you feel that also, like we, we actually sort of getting closer that, that now that we are actually trying to reach out to people, we are actually talking to people, although right. we are doing it through like like this, but I feel friends and families are actually getting closer because they're actually kind of getting, because I, I talk like my schoolmates and I never talked to before. Right. That because you of the pandemic. wouldn't even think about getting in touch with. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I guess, one positive thing that's come out of this whole experience is, uh, and I mean, speaking for myself too, personally, uh, 2020 was a rough year. Right. And not just because of the pandemic and, obviously with what's happening with gigs and not being able to play uh went through some personal stuff too and it was a dark time it was a hard time and i was just lucky that i had friends who kind of reached out whether it was uh just out of nowhere sending me a care package or messaging me or chatting with me and saying hey dude are you all right you know do you want to talk can't really be with you but you know we're with you here we're with you here we're with you here so you know we find new ways to communicate and express how much we care for our friends and our families and our our loved ones uh given both the advantages and the limitations that we now have. Uh, so yeah, that's probably one good thing that came out of this is being able to like say, do this interview and reach out to your fans and your listeners and, uh, and then being able to just like yesterday with, with Joey and them just hang out virtually but still be with them without actually needing to risk catching something on the way or on the way back or you know knock on wood but we do what we can yeah so so going back to this uh, this Kumu fat Kumu platform because it's a it's a new thing actually right it's a right. so can can you tell a little bit about what is this Kumu and what you do what you're doing in Kumu sure uh, well Kumu is actually is an online streaming platform that uh, it's mainly I guess for vloggers and social influencers but since the pandemic a lot of artists and musicians have found a home in it in that, you know, before 
if you needed to see your favorite artist, you watch him at a gig. There are no gigs now. Right. So you go online and sometimes it's Facebook, sometimes it's YouTube. Uh, for me, what made Kumu appealing, which is why I do it basically every, every night, if I can, if I can is uh, well, it's easier to monetize. So having made the bulk of my income doing live gigs, switching over it was like it was it was kind of a, you know i'm still i'm still kind of adjusting to it i've only been playing on i've i've only been on kumu for a couple months but you know you get to reach out to a number one to a different demographic like people who don't normally go to gigs right. or people who usually just want to listen to music on the in the background while they're at work or people who want to wind down after a long day and don't want to go out and have to listen to music. So I'm exposed to a new audience and I'm also, and they're exposed to something they've never heard before, which is me doing piano covers of rock songs or love songs or whatever else they'd want to hear. And I think, and a lot of people who miss watching us at gigs, like, like Norby's on it, uh, my my friend Nino's on it. Uh, a lot of my, a lot of my other musician friends, who I used to gig with, they're on Kumu as well, and mm. most of the response has been positive. Just because the community is very supportive, uh, the artists are supportive of each other, so we try and catch each other's streams, which would be impossible before because if you were at a gig. And let's say I was playing in Makati. I have a friend who is playing in Kubao. Right. There's no way I could watch his gig. But now that we're on the same platform, as long as we're not streaming at the same time, I can pop over, catch a little bit of what he's doing, and then when he's done, or when I'm, or, or when I'm streaming, he can just go to my channel and see what's going on. Mm. So again, you know, there's pluses and minuses, but you know, Kumu's been able to really open up a whole new avenue for us artists and musicians in terms of being able to still do what we do despite everything that's going on. Yeah. And it's, it's easy also to jam and you can just invite somebody like to join your stream, yeah. right? Very quickly. Right. I mean, like, the one thing that we haven't quite been able to as Kumu's concerned is to actually jam together live because again there's latency issues and right. connectivity problems depending on so what I've started doing for, for myself in my stream is I'll play and if somebody wants to jam or perform a song or play a few songs they're more than welcome to come up on my stream have my audience see them perform and then have them follow them later on it's it's sort of like they're helping me out by bringing more people to my channel. I'm helping them out by exposing them to the people who watch me play. And you know, it's 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 again, it's just we're on the same boat. So I figure it's my way of helping them out, their way of, I guess, 
doing the same. So, and it, you know, if I can catch like a five, 10 minute break from playing five hours straight, I'll take it. Right. <laughs> One thing I, I uh, you know, uh, I miss going, you know, one is the gigs, but also remember because we, I know you also like Funko Pop, right? So visiting the toy shops and stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, uh, I think the last I one. Haven't, I, what was the last one you bought? I haven't bought a Funko, Funko in. You know what? I don't even remember. It's been so long. I think the last, the last time I bought a Funko was the last, one of the last times I had a gig in Ortigas, in Cuisine. Yeah, yeah. Where you saw us. Right. Because uh, that would be our usual routine. I'd, I'd leave early to avoid traffic. I'd head over to the podium, uh, pick up a Funko, sometimes two, uh, do the gig with Norby, and then... <laughs> you know skedaddle home but yeah it's it's literally been months several months yeah <laughs> like right before right before the quarantine even because you know they started canceling gigs even before they announced the quarantine because you know people were getting sick right. and they wanted to just you know take precautions and make sure that everybody was safe and at the time we didn't know that seven, eight months on, we'd still be, we'd still be here. But, uh, so yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone and picked up a Funko in <laughs> several months. I, yeah, I can't even tell you what the last one I bought was. Right. It's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> I think the last one but, I got you know, was the Iron Maiden. I got the Iron Maiden Eddie. The Eddie ones. Yeah. They have a few. I think there's like, there's like three or like there are, different there, ones. There's actually four. So I went to the shop, okay. and then they had all four at the same time. So I actually bought all See, four because pick them all up. It, right. it will be hard to find again if you miss one. So <laughs> exactly. You know, they'll they'll imagine if you're stuck with three, and it'll always be that one that's hardest to get that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. But that's sometimes, big, yeah. But sometimes, some of the collection, some of the series, it's there are some that I don't like to get. Like I don't know, right. uh, like, uh, like Def Leppard. I I never interested of getting every all the Def Leppard. I just got like Joe Elliott mm -hmm. and then just the feel, just the drama, because the others doesn't yeah. really really look unique. Like, unlike what when they release they release GNR, which like. Slash and Axel, right, they were right. very unique, right? Like, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, same. I mean, same with me. There, there are Funko collectors out there who they have to have the entire set, or they have to have the entire line. Right. With me, it's like I like this character from this show. He's the only one I'm getting. I'm right. not getting everybody else just so I can say I have the whole collection, and then when I get tired of it, sell the whole thing. I'm like, no. And I don't, I don't buy to sell. I buy because I collect. Right. Uh, and once I have it, I'm not going to resell it for more. I'm like, no, I bought that because I like Funkos. I like that character. I like this particular toy. Yeah. So I'm getting that. That's mine. 
you can't touch it and I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> but I mean, same thing with, I mean, cause I'm a sneaker head too. Right. Same thing with my shoes. It's like, yeah, I like, I like wearing Jordans, but it's not because they're cool. Well, they are, it is because they're cool, but it's not because I want to resell them later on for three times the price. It's right. like, no, it's, we live in the Philippines where it's hard to find my shoe size and <laughs> basketball shoes are the only, are the only kinds of shoes I can get. Right. It just so happens that I like Jordans and they have it in my size. I will buy a pair of Jordans. Did you, did you watch the sneakerheads, the, 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 the series that they release in Netflix? Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. I mean, like it's a, it's a it's a it's a culture that I that I understand, right? But not something I. Well, no, it's it's more like it's a culture that I, I mean, that I understand, but I don't buy into a hundred percent. Again, because for me, it's mainly utility, comfort, aesthetic. Right. Looks cool. It's in my size. I'll wear it. I don't need to keep it like hermetically sealed. I don't need to, you know, one day sell it for thousands of dollars. No, I'm I'm aware till it wears out. Then I'll buy new shoes. Yeah, <laughs> you know what happened to me because I, uh, I, you know that I I do a lot of walking, so I started right. doing a lot of walking for like few years now. So I my friend introduced me to this. Catchers uh, brand, particular shoes. It's like Go Walk. Uh-huh. There's a specific uh, one. Right, right, right. It's so comfortable. After after wearing that, I never wore another shoe because it's right. so comfortable walking. But and see, that's uh, what they're exactly. That's what they're built for. They're built yeah. for walking. And so when I had to uh, replace the shoe, I I just went to the show shop and said, I want this particular one. That's it. I don't want to check anything else because it's even though it's the old model. I just wanted the same right. thing because it felt so good. But I mean, like Skechers comes out with new lines, you know, again, seasonally because they're right. a shoe brand. But I think the, the your particular, the, the Go Walk one with the, with the extra padding inside right. or the extra thick soles, I think that's a feature. So they'll always have maybe new designs, but they'll always have that shoe available. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been wearing that. Uh, I think my previous pair. I think I, I walk like more than thousand kilometers on that shoes <laughs> before <Right>. I retire it. <laughs> yeah, so that stuff. I mean, that stuff really works then. Yeah, it really works. Uh, so, 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 Kiko. So, what's your uh, message to the viewers and people who support you? And you know, what's your stream? So, what's your message? And any any shout out? Oh yeah, I mean, like, I want to thank everybody for, you know, despite it being a pandemic, uh, helping artists like myself, my friend. You do what you do. Streams. There's uh, Modify fans for We do news out. It's called Kapit Lapit. Uh, it's available on all streaming platforms. You can request for it in your local radio station. Uh, we have another song coming out 
again, end of October, early November. So watch out for that. And um, to all my Kumu listeners and viewers, thank you for continuing to support. I mean, I know it's it's not easy as I I stream pretty late usually and I finish pretty late. But to those of you who have stuck around, you guys know who you are. Thank you so much. And to, to all our new listeners out there, uh, let's check it out. Catman Kiko on Kumu. Uh, Catman Kiko on Instagram. Kiko Monticilio on, fa- on Facebook. Hi, Crush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Kiko, thanks for doing this. I mean, I really enjoy talking to you. And uh, we should have done this earlier, but, you know. <laughs> oh, no, no problem, China. My pleasure, man. Yeah. This is fun. <clears throat> I mean, you know, this this podcast also started because of COVID. Because I, you know, otherwise it will not happen. <laughs> right. I mean, same same thing for me on on Kumu. Really, it's just like now, what do I do? Right. Right. So, and again, like I said earlier, it's a positive experience. A lot of my a lot of my friends are on it. Like. Norby's on it, Nino, Axton. Uh, so we all have kind of our our own groups, but we also have mutual friends who kind of support all of us. Right. And that's something I'm really grateful for. And we artists, we support each other too. So that's always good to see. Yeah. So Kiko, thanks for joining uh <laughs> looking forward to uh, uh, you're playing tonight as well uh stream every night at normally around 11 but try to push it earlier by so maybe about 10 o'clock i'll start i'll start streaming <clears throat> 10 o'clock tonight okay so uh Kiko Montesilio, Catman, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Kiko. Thanks, Shana. Rock on, man. <laughs>